0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Ah, good morning! Good morning, are you guys having a good day? Good. It is a great morning. Uh, I'm excited because we are starting a new series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, It is called Masterpiece in Progress, and you're going. We're going to dive into this a lot more, but you're going to see why. uh, In in the book of Ephesians, we are called a masterpiece, and yet we are in progress. We're not yet who we are becoming, and so uh, we have this masterpiece. And this is what Paul says that you and I are. This is what God says we are. And so I am super excited for this morning. Morning, uh, I'm a little out of breath because I just ran on stage. Ellie and I were working through a problem, and I thought I had one more song, and uh, I was like, "I don't have my microphone on," and then I got up here and I forgot the sermon, and so, whew, at asthma. Gets me every time. All right. So, uh, we're, we're diving into this book. It's a great book, but I was trying to figure out how uh, we get this book to come to life, right? For, the fir- for our first week, to see that this is a book written by Paul, but this is to real people at a real time. Paul spent uh, almost three years in the city of Ephesus. And during that time, Paul developed relationships. And this letter that he writes later on, is he's writing this letter to the church he started, but it's to his friends. It's like as I was going through this, I was imagining writing a letter to Discovery. And I'd be picturing some of you by name and thinking about what you're going through in life and wondering, oh, I wonder how big their kids are now. And working through that, and so it was this idea that these are real people for Paul. That these are people that he ate with. And and as he's writing this church in Ephesus, he's thinking about memories. About his favorite restaurants in Ephesus, right? He's thinking about where he used to go and wash his laundry. He's thinking about the holiday that he spent there and and laughter that he spent as he stayed up late talking with friends. It was this relationship that these are real people in a real place. And so we get to see Paul's journey uh, to Ephesus in the book of Acts, chapter 19. The book of Acts is uh, the, the fifth book in the New Testament. After the Gospels, you have the Acts, which is the Acts of the early church. This is the, uh, what the church started as. And so you see the, the early uh, apostles and, and starting the church, and, and much of it is led by Peter. And then partway through the book of Acts, the, shift, the focus shifts to following Paul as the first great missionary. And Paul goes out and he goes out to many different areas and he reaches out to not only Jews but to Gentiles as well. And this is what he does as he travels into Asia and arrives at the city of Ephesus. So Acts chapter 19 is the story of Paul's time in Ephesus. And so this morning, this whole message is going to be based on that one chapter, right? But I was trying to figure out how do we make this come alive? Like so much we look at the Bible and we see it as as just this stagnant uh, old times that this was a far off place that we don't realize that this is real people, real places. And so this morning morning, if you will, if you will go with me, we are going to take a tour of Ephesus. All right? I'm excited uh, uh, for this tour. It's going to be a good time. Um, And so I'm going to need two people, if they'll join me. Uh, I just need a couple. Would you guys come? Yes, yes. All right. Justin and Caitlin, well, you guys come on up, and uh, Justin's grown out his beard looking more like Jesus, so this kind of looks like Ephesus. All right, so Justin, come on up. All right, you guys are our official tour people, but the rest of you get to go on this tour. They just have to pay. So uh, if you guys want to grab a seat... And, and we, uh, this is sponsored by Discovery, so we have a little spending cash for you. But, um, I uh, looked up what it would look like, how much it cost to take a tour of Ephesus, and uh, it looks like it's about $100 per person for no-frills tours, what they said. Uh, This would not stop at any souvenir places, it wouldn't stop at any of the touristy spots, it was just straight on. So, for $100, I'm going to give you a two-for-one deal, I'd like to take you guys on a tour of Ephesus. Does that sound like a good plan? All right. Hand me $100. You open it up. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got money in there. All right. The rest of you are going to go for free. But uh, try not to take too many pictures. Because I'm going to charge you for those. All right. Thank you. I'll keep the 10s. Yeah. There we go. I'll just do it for 80. All right, you guys seem like a nice couple. All right. So. Oh. I'm, I got to make it official. This is the Discovery Tours. All right. And I think I even have binoculars if you guys need. There you go. You can have those. They broke. They're cheap. Alright. <laughs> this is not the world's best tour. I'll tell you what. But. Uh, but I try. And uh, you get what you paid for. It was a two for one. Alright. That's on you guys. Not on me. Alright. So we're going to take this tour. And to begin, I want to dive us into the culture of Ephesus. The culture of the past. The culture of today. And so to start, let us hear the sounds of what it would be like if we were on the streets of Ephesus right now. Ah, oh, that's nice. Middle Eastern music going on. It's a soothing. It, it makes you just feel like Good old Ephesus, just like I remember when I went and visited Grandma. Alright, and so this is uh, Ephesus. This is what the music was like. It's it's very aerial, and, and this is what it would sound like if you go there today. They have people playing this on the streets. If we went to Net right now in the summer, the summers are usually about 90 degrees. It's a warm, very dry summer. There is absolutely no rain for June, July, and August. This is what Paul was stepping into, alright? Because the whole point of this is for us to see Ephesus as a real place. place. right and so Paul would spend his summers and it's dry and it's arid and people were fleeing during the day because of the hot sun coming down everyone would go and take naps and stay inside they wouldn't travel during the day Uh, they'd go busy you'd be busy in the morning and then busy at night and then during the day it was time where you would go and rest when you'd go be with your family when you would get away from the heat The winters, uh, it gets down to about 40 degrees. There's actually sometimes it snows in Ephesus. Which is interesting if you think, imagine that three years, there's a heavy snow. Paul wakes up one morning, sees it outside, Calls up his buddies and they have a snowball fight. It's what I'm picturing. Uh, Paul would been walking around in snow like this. You know, those are kind of things that I don't ever think about when I think about reading the Bible. When I think about Paul in the Middle East, but the winters they get snow and this would be what Paul was going through, trying to have him stay warm, trying to find heat. Everyone would surround around the fires when it's only 40 degrees the food. The food is great. Much of their food back then was a a wheat and water mixture that they would then bake on rocks, and it was very similar to our pita bread. So, would you guys like some bread, some taste? Wonderful. There you go. That's five (laughs) dollars. Fork it over. (laughs) Pay in advance, please. Five dollars a Five dollars total. Like I said, you guys seem like a nice couple. (laughs) Thank you. All right, we can continue on. Um, And so... Um, They would have, uh, they would eat this kind of bread. This is what Paul was eating. He would eat what we have as pita bread. Common meat back then was beef and goat and pork. Uh, It was not just the the rich that ate meat. Everyone in Ephesus ate meat, even the poor people. And so they would eat meat. Uh, The poor people often would eat on the floor. Uh, If you were a slave, you'd eat on the floor, while the the wealthy homeowners in the family would eat at a table. Everyone, uh, the wealthy people, like Paul, would have had a spoon and a knife where the poor people would eat with their fingers and everybody had a salt shaker. It was very common. It was even the poorest of the poor slaves would have their own salt shaker because it was a highly valued thing. But the most common thing to eat was pork. There was over 50 recipes for pork recorded from that time uh, in the city of Ephesus. And so they often cooked with olive oil and they would eat well. And so this is what Paul was doing these three years. Imagine, you know, when you guys eat at home and you invite people over this is the best time just to sit back, tell stories, to, to share about your life, to reminisce. The other night we were sitting with our kids and we just told stories about when they were little in Taiwan and, and just laughed and and kind of blew my mind the things that, th- that we did and, and it was just a time to relax. This is what Paul did. He sat back and he ate. And he ate with the people. And so, this was an example of their food. So, now that we have the culture, are you guys ready for the tour? Yeah? All right. All right. Our first stop on this tour is the Great Theater. The Great Theater of Ephesus. This is a site that there was, uh, that we learn about in Acts chapter 19. There's riots, right? And the riots are happening. The people are upset and and angry, and they're angry at Paul and the Christians because they've uh, influenced the the commercial business, the the commerce in the town. And so this riot occurs, and so they take the Christians, and they go into the temple, and you read about this in Acts 19, and, and they're raging, and they're angry. This great Great temple. It was a focal, one of the focal points of the city of Ephesus. It could hold 25,000 people, and this is a picture that's still here today. It could hold 25,000 people. It's built on a natural incline to take advantage of of the slope, and the stage itself, when they had the stage built up, was three stories high. That people that people would come and present on this stage, and so as you read the book of Acts, you see this scene where this mob is coming and they rush into the theater and they have the Christians on the floor of the, of the theater, and everyone is yelling, and it says that they yelled for hours, great is Artemis, great is Artemis. You can picture this anger, this angry mob as they're coming and attacking the Christians, because people are pulling away from falling Artemis, who we'll find out more about here soon. The next is the Library of Celsus. This is one of the most uh, pictured places in in all of Ephesus. This is a center of, this is a highlight of Ephesus, but also a highlight of all of Turkey. It's really hard to even get a picture because there's so many people. Would you guys like a selfie in front of it? All right, do you got a camera? All right, well, we'll take a quick picture. Oh, all right, I'll take your picture and I'll send it to you. That'll cost extra. All right, ready. Oh, okay, ready, here we go. Selfie, one, two, three. All right. All right. We actually get to take a picture of myself and all of them. Uh, so, but this is us in front of Celsus. Good job. You guys look beautiful. Um, and so, this is the Library of Celsus. Cels, this library is still standing the front part, and it is absolutely beautiful. It was designed that the columns in the front are larger than the columns in the back, so when you look at it, it would be an optical illusion to make it look even bigger as it goes smaller in, into the background. This, this library was one of the ancient libraries, and it's also a mon- it was built um, by the son uh, of Gaius Julius Celsus. And after he died, he was the governor of this area, they built this. The, they actually built this after Paul's time. Paul would not have been here. But the reason that I have this picture is because on, it's this beautiful marble uh, library. And on the steps leading up to the front, there's a picture, I believe. Uh, we have a picture of a z- close-up. No, okay. we have. A, there's a close-up. There's a little menorah carved into one of the steps. This was to represent the Jewish population that was there. In Acts 19, when Paul first gets there and starts teaching, it says that he went to the synagogue and he began to teach there. And so there, even though this is a Gentile area, even though this is a a region... That is focused on uh, on many gods. There was a sect of, of Christians of Jews that were there worshiping the Jewish God. And so this is where Paul began his ministry. He went to the synagogue and he went there every day to, to teach the people of Ephesus, the Jews of Ephesus, hey that God that you've been following, he is the one true God. But he also promised about a Messiah that was to come. You know, all these prophets, all these predictions, all these things that point to a Messiah, he came. In the form of Jesus. He was alive, and he lived, and he died on the cross, and he died for his sins, and he rose again. And so this he would proclaim in the synagogue day after day, and people began to listen and follow. And so the reason we showed this library was because there is this Jewish influence, even though that doesn't make sense in in this area of Asia. There was a Jewish influence. Uh, When Paul gets there, these are the first converts that he begins to tell about Jesus. The people at the synagogue are getting frustrated because he's teaching about their God, but he's also teaching about Jesus. And so they eventually ask him to leave, and he leaves to the Hall of Tyrannius, which I think we have a picture of. This is a Hall of Tyrrhenius. This is a great hall. This was a meeting place, kind of like a conference hall today, right? Where they would come, and they would gather, and they would meet. And at the Hall of Terranius, he would go, and he would rent out the middle of the day. Why the middle of the day? Because this was the cheapest time. Like I said, it's hot and especially in the summers. And so, and the people would come out in the morning and they'd come out at night and everyone went back into their homes during the day. And so, during the day, Paul would rent it. And it says that he preached here day after day after day for two years. People began to hear about it. They began to come out of their homes, and, and they weren't having to go to their businesses. They, they weren't having to go work and do laundry, and so they would come to the great hall of Tranius, and they would hear this teacher. And day after day, Paul taught not only about God, but about Jesus, and he taught about this Messiah that was the Savior of all, and he came and he taught over and over, and imagine you're part of the Ephesus, and in the winter you would travel in the snow to hear Paul's teaching. What's he going to teach on today? And what's he going to tell us about today? Yesterday, he told us about this time that Jesus healed a blind man. And the day before that, he told us about this time Jesus fed thousands. What's he going to tell about today? It's the summer, and the heat is squelching. And you tell your family, hey, we don't have anything to do right now. Not for a few hours till the shop opens back up. Let's, let's go hear from Paul. And so Acts 19.10 says that he's preached there for two years and that everyone, Jew and Gentile in the providence of Asia, heard Paul's teaching. So was it everyone? I don't know. But I do know that Ephesus was a central hub for tourists and for all and for businesses and merchants in Asia. And I do know that he's been here every day for two years and you see as you read about Paul's life and about his teaching that he would have been a dynamic speaker and he would have been intriguing and he would have been that if I was to venture into Ephesus and I'd say, hey, what's going on in town today? And they'd say, you got to go check out around noon. Listen to this guy, Paul. He's got this crazy story and I don't know if I believe it, but it's amazing. And so everyone would come to the hall of Tyr- Tyrannus and they would hear Paul. This is a side note on the tour, Uh, and it's not official, but uh, Mr. Terranius had a dog named Rex, and he left the hall to him afterwards, and it became the Hall of Tyranius Rex. So, that's just a side note. Uh, Just, that's, that one's free. All right? Um, Now, I would like to offer much of the rubble, uh, much of the bricks and everything you see, uh, are just left behind. And so, we actually have some rocks from Ephesus that I'd like to sell you for $10. What do you think? Would you like? Here you go. Got some money? I think I do. What do you think? It's a good, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Two uh, uh, Ephesus rocks. There you go. Ten bucks. They were from my garden. <laughs> Don't let them know. All right. Uh, okay. So, we transition from the great hall. So, this is where Paul was teaching. He taught first in the synagogue. Then, in Acts 19, he transitions to the hall of Tyrannus. Then, we see that there's a riot. There's a guy named Demetrius. He was a silversmith, and he would made little idols, along with many people in the town, but he was kind of the ringleader. And he was upset because the Christians have started to influence the town. Paul's teaching has so highly influenced, and and he's done miracles here. It says in, in Acts 19, when Paul would touch a handkerchief, that would go and touch someone, and they would be healed. There's great miracles that are happening through Paul, through God, through his teaching. People are coming to accept Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, and so through this they are coming over and they are changing their life. It says that they brought their scrolls, they, there's much practice of sorcery there, and they brought their sorcery scrolls that were worth a year's wage each, and they were bringing them by the droves and leaving them to Paul to burn and destroy. The culture of the whole city is changing. And so in the midst of that, when people are changing to be like Christ, people that are not like Christ are not comfortable with that. And so you have Demetrius who's been making these little idols. I think we have an idol of Aramis. And so he would make these little silver idols and these are uh, little trinkets that local people would use, but as well as tourists would come and they would grab, uh, as they would come and visit Ephesus. And they would grab these little trinkets. But now the Christians are saying, don't buy that. That's an idol that's made by man. There's one God that made us all, and we don't have an idol of him. Let us worship him. And so Demetrius sees that his pocketbook is suffering, and he starts getting people angry, and he says, look at what these Christians are doing. Look at what Paul is doing. He's taking money from our pockets. The tourist industry is going downhill. The locals aren't buying my stuff. They're not pointing the tourists to my stuff, and we need to make a change. This is what started the riot. It was all based on money it was all based on greed. And so they start this riot and they take the Christians to that theater. The reason is because Ephesus was the center for the worship of the goddess Artemis. Armitus is represented here. She's the fertility god. She's often depicted with eggs or or mini breasts. She is uh, the fertility god over, over birth and everything. And so she is this god that everyone would come to worship. And in the city of Ephesus, there is a great temple. It is a beautiful temple. It's the highlight of every tour uh, uh, or the highlight of Ephesus at the ancient times. Would you guys like to see it? Yes? Twenty dollars. And that, that wasn't part of the basic tour. This is the advanced tour. <laughs> Alright, there we go. Alright, we are going to see the, uh, the Temple of Artemis. Now, let me tell you about this temple. It's got an amazing history, right? And so, they first built it in 800 BC, and it was a smaller temple, but it was a temple dedicated to the god Artemis. And they built this temple, and it ended up getting destroyed through an earthquake. So, the next time they built it up a few hundred years later, they build it up bigger and better. And so, that temple, people began to know about this in the, in the Asian providence, and they start to tour. They start to begin this tradition of how Having a pilgrimage to Artemis. Perhaps you want to get pregnant. Perhaps you want to have someone in your family pregnant. Perhaps you want to thank thank the god Artemis for the birth of your child. You would take this pilgrimage to this temple. And so this second temple was a little bit bigger and nicer, and then it got destroyed by an earthquake as well. So here they're going to build the third temple. This location is an awful place for a location for a temple. It was marshy land. It had earthquakes. But this was the location because there was a tradition that a meteorite had fallen from Jupiter and landed at this very location. And so this meteorite that perhaps it even mentions in Acts 19 uh, uh, about an item that they worship, many believe that is this meteorite that they had found that this, this is where the meteorite landed, so this is where they build the temple. And so is this marshy land, and this time they say, we're going to build it huge. We're going to build it bigger than anything that's ever been built before. And so they build this new temple. This is around three, but it's 300 feet long. They bring in these marble columns, and they have to carry them and roll them in because it's marshy land. It'll just sink in if they have all the weight in one spot. And so they build this temple, and it is grand. It is huge. All of Asia is coming to see it, and then there's a tragedy hits because of arson. Someone sets the roof on fire looking to have fame and the place burns down. Legend has it that this night that the temple of Artemis burned down is the night Alexander the Great was born. And Artemis was too busy bringing Alexander the Great to life that she wasn't able to protect her temple. This is why it burned. Well anyways, it burns down and they decide we're going to make it bigger and better and greater than ever before. And so the fourth round of this temple is gigantic. It's the size of a soccer field and it's the first structure made completely of marble in this ancient Asian area. And so this temple was one that was huge and majestic. It was one of the seven wonders of the world, and it was the center point of of Ephesus, but it was a center point for this whole region of Asia. All these pilgrims would come, all these people would come to see Artemis, to see the temple Artemis, to pay tribute to the God, to be able to strive to have a baby, to thank them for a baby, to be able to come and see this temple. This was the centerpiece of their culture. This is why, as Acts 19.10 says, all the Gentiles and Jews in Asia heard Paul. Because everybody comes to Ephesus at some point. Everyone comes to see this amazing wonder. There's one Hellenistic historian that said, I've seen the walls and hanging gardens of ancient Babylon. I've seen the Olympians of Zeus, the Colossals of Rhodes, the mighty works of the high pyramids, and the tombs of Maluzel. So all the other great wonders... But when I saw the temple of Ephesus rising to the clouds, all these, other wa- all these other wonders were put in the shade. This is how great this temple is. This is why everybody comes. It's to be able to see the temple of Artemis. So you can see why Demetrius is upset. The whole culture, the, their commerce is a tourist culture, and in the midst of it, when they come, they say, what else is going on in town? Well, have you gone to the hall? Have you gone to the great hall and heard that guy? That guy, he speaks during the middle of the day, and they say, no, you got to go check it out. And so people would go, and they would hear Paul, and they would be convicted. They would be, they would gain knowledge. They, they might stay an extra day, an extra week, an extra month, just to hear more of this teaching. And now instead of being focused on Artemis, instead of buying the trinkets, they're focused on this man Jesus who is so much greater than this God Artemis. Who is so much greater, who has conquered death and who has overcome that that they learn about this Jesus and so they go back and they spread the word. let me tell you and and when they get back and everyone say, hey, how was the temple? Was it as amazing as everyone said? And the little kids say, did you bring me something, daddy? Did you bring me something? And he pulls out Maybe a little statue that he got on day one. And he says, here you go. I bought that from a silversmith named Demetrius. Angry old fellow. But he does good work. But more importantly, let me tell you. Let me tell you about this guy Paul and what he said. More importantly than let me tell you about Paul, let me tell you about Jesus. And so Ephesus became this hub that people grew and learned about Christ because of the city of Ephesus. And Pliny the Younger says that, and called it the central hub of Christianity in all of Asia because of this pl- church that Paul has planted. Ephesus, uh, legend has, is where John, after Mary was in her old age, the, the disciple John took Mary and, and she lived there and died in Ephesus. And another legend has that John, after his exile to the island of Patmos, came and, and he lived there and was part of the Ephes- Ephesian church. For the last years of his life. This was a centerpiece. And so when we dive into this book of Ephesians, I want you to sit, get fully the background, to see the sights and sounds, the, the food, the, 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 the smells, the everything about Ephesians, but also see the importance of this town. And as we look at Ephesus, and we see that it's a happening place, it really isn't all that different than here. Right? I mean, think about it, it was a city that, uh, that had a very distinct sound, distinct smell, distinct taste and feel, similar to a city that is the birthplace of country music, has a giant NASCAR stadium, uh, has, a great, has the Great Coliseum, and has dozens of barbecue places. It was a town that had a great hall, it had a theater, and it had pe- places for people to congregate. Much like a town that has this large state park, wonderful shop at the Pinnacle, and a casino now to play. It was a culture that was focused on money, on the flesh, on bigger and better, much like our American culture now. And so as we look at this book of Ephesians that Paul is writing to these people 2,000 years ago, he's writing to us today as well. He's writing to this church. Get this. We see in Acts 19. I want you to see what this church started like. Right? That Pliny the Younger says that this is the centerpiece for all of Asia. Several years before, this is what it looked like. Acts 19, 1 through 5. says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. He gets there, and even the believers, these 12 people, didn't fully understand and grasp who Jesus was. And Paul then pours into the people of Ephesus. He teaches them. He lives with them. He has snowball fights with them. He eats with them. He plays music with them. He does laundry with them. He lives with them. He cries with them when there's mourning, when they've lost a loved one. He celebrates with them at the birth of a child. He's invited to holidays. He's invited over for dinner. He meets them on the streets. The streets that we just had the opportunity to walk. He lives with these people, and he teaches them, and the church grows. And it grows and it grows to the point where it is such an influential segment of the city of Ephesus that the entire tourism industry is getting rocked by it. So this is the city of Ephesus. This book of Ephesians, and th- this week is just to give you an overview as we prepare to dive into it, and where all this, everything that we've talked about this week is based on Acts 19. I encourage you to go read that later today with these pictures in mind. It'll be completely different than the last time you read it. But we're going to dive into this book of, Eph- of Ephesians. This letter that Paul wrote to his friends, to his loved ones. And this book gives us a rela- it talks about our living relationship with a thriving God. That the people of Ephesus had this relationship with the God Artemis, who was not a relationship. It was just something that they worshipped. It was an idol they worshipped. And Paul is saying, here is a God that you have a relationship with, that you engage with, that loves you, and cares for you, and listens to you. It's a message for us. In our culture where we can get caught up in in fame and we can get caught up in politics, get caught up in money, get caught up in pursuing bigger and better and beating the Joneses, this is our opportunity to realize it's not about any of that. As the Ephesians realize, it's about building a relationship with God. That as we read the book of Ephesians, we're going to see that this is a Lord, a God that loves us and had a plan for us from the beginning. A God that sees us as his masterpiece and wants to care for us. This book of Ephesians is about a new relationship between the Jews and Gentiles. They hated each other and Paul talks that in your town, you're going to make a difference. You're going to reconcile this difference and you're going to show this love, this connection that all the world is going to see. As the pilgrims are coming from all over, they're going to see there's something different about that town. I saw Jews and Gentiles eating together. I saw them laughing together at the well. I saw them in a snowball fight, engaging and loving one another, much like a message that we should have, that there are people with differences, whether it's economic, race, background, education, all these different differences that America is made up of, and so often there's these dividing walls that we need to reconcile and come together under Jesus Christ. It's a book that talks about this new warfare. That there's a spiritual war going on in the city of Ephesus. As Satan wants the focus to be on Artemis and God is standing strong and there's a spiritual war happening and it's no different than it is here in your own home, in your own town, at your workplace, at your school. There's a spiritual warfare for our souls. And so this book, we're going to dive into what that looks like. This book dives into what it looks like to be a family and, and what it looks like to care for a family and lead a family in the, in the roles in a family. This is an amazing book that we're going to dive into to see God's plan for you and me. I have one last picture that I'm going to give you guys for free. And it is the great temple of Artemis. Remember how great it is? It's bigger than a, a giant, than a soccer field. It's the grandest thing in the ancient times. And this is a picture of it today. It's one lone column that they've erected. So you saw how big it was. Today the temple has been long ago destroyed. Once considered one of the seven wonders of the world. It is now just rumbles and weeds, and one column that they've erected. The temple is long gone. Artemis is long gone. The city of Ephesus isn't even in existence anymore. Now it's the the city of Selkuk, Turkey. All that is gone. The time of Paul is gone. But what remains is God's word. This message to the Ephesians was not just for that time, but it's for today. That's why it still stands strong. That's why we still study it. That's why it's still in our Bibles. The only thing remaining, Artemis didn't make it. The temple didn't make it. The the great hall didn't make it. The synagogue, the library, none of that is is in use and in existence anymore. But the word of God is going to speak to each one of us. The word of God, if we're open to it, is going to mold us. The word of God is going to shape us. The word of God is going to help us build a relationship with God, a relationship with others, and prepare to to lead to what our roles are in our homes and to fight the spiritual battle. So, I want to encourage you over the next many weeks—I think nine weeks—we're going to be in the Book of Ephesians. We took a tour of it this morning to learn what it's like, but the next coming weeks. We're going to dive into it to see what God has to speak to us. I want to encourage you throughout this time to read the book of Ephesians. It's in your Bible. It's on your app. We also got, we have um, the... the Ephesians journal, journal Bibles again, um, this is just the, it's the scripture, but it gives you opportunities to be able to write alongside of the text uh, and to be able to make notes. I'll encourage you to grab one of these if you're a note taker, if you want to write that down. Uh, they're going to be at the coffee shop. They're for five dollars. You can, or just get it yourself on Amazon. It's five ninety nine on Amazon. Uh, we will encourage you just to be able to do this, write ner- ner- notes as we go. I want to encourage you, if you're familiar with Right Now, Right Now Media, uh, it's like the Netflix of Christian Bible Studies. We have a membership as a church, and it's free to all of you. And so if you don't have that, grab grab the compass that gives you instructions. Go to our website. You can get to Right Now. But there's several Bible studies on Ephesians. There's actually one uh, for kids that we started this past week uh, as a family. We started a family devotion time, and my kids are loving it. Like, there's this talking turtle and a talking elephant, and the kids think it's great, and it's diving in the book of Ephesians. And you might be thinking, oh, yeah, well, he's a minister. That's why he does family devotion. No, no, no. We just started this week. We don't normally do it. And one of the nights, we were all in a fight, and it was miserable doing this devotion, right? And so it's like, hey, what does God say about that? And, and like, it was hard to be angry and, and work through. And so I'm normal, just like you. So you can do this, right? I want to encourage you, find other ways to dive into Ephesians on your own. Uh, through a, There's several adult studies, maybe as a family. Work through this book as we go through this on Sunday mornings and see God mold us. Finally, as we go into the time of communion, I want to share a passage from Ephesians. Here, I'll give this to you guys for being good sports. Thank you. I'll take the rest of the money. All right. Um, so it's not all that free. But, alright, um, so this passage, Ephesians 4, verse, verses 4 through 7, says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been, get, been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus died on the cross to give us this grace. It was in our family Bible study. It said what is grace? And there's some funny lines in there. The elephant and the turtle. But then we learned that grace is an unmerited gift. Something we don't deserve. And when Jesus was on the cross that day, we didn't deserve him to take our punishment. We didn't deserve him to take our sins. But he didn't. And three days later, he conquered death, conquered hell, conquered Satan, and conquered my sins, and conquered yours. And so as we go in this time of communion, let us reflect on this, that together we take communion because we have one God, one baptism, one hope, one life, and one Christ that died for each one of us. Let me pray for you over this communion. God, thank you for today and for your love for us. Lord, we just pray that you are glorified today in our conversations, in our uh, worship, in our study of e- Acts 19, and in our future study of Ephesians. God, let your word come alive. There's nothing that remains of ancient Ephesus except for your word. And that was written for those people 2,000 years ago, and it was written for us today. God, we thank you for what Christ did on the cross. That he gave us this grace. We thank you for this in your name. Amen.